Welcome to Women Who Sarcast. I'm honored and delighted to have an amazing guest on the show today. Brandy Walker is a therapist and the host of Throwing Light podcast. The opposite of throwing shade, Throwing Light explores the intersection of spirituality and mental health with a hefty dose of metaphysics and a whole lot of vulnerability. Throwing Light asks questions like, what does it mean to co-create with the universe? Does magic exist? What can ordinary people do about the great injustices of our time? What does living a meaningful life look like? And can we make coffee a food group? Brandy attempts to answer these questions and start new conversations about old paradigms, all while being her awkward, adorable self. You can find Brandy on Instagram at Brandy Glows, and you can find Throwing Light episodes on Apple Podcasts. Welcome. Thank you. I'm honored and delighted to be here. So let's get started. These are very uh, penetrating questions, and I'm sure inquiring <laughs> minds want to know. Uh, um, what I'd like to know is what made you decide to become a therapist in the first place? That's kind of like a loaded question, because um, I'm 38, and I am in many ways just beginning <laughs> my <laughs> professional career, like working, you know, aside from my my passion projects, my podcast, um, the the first couple years of adulthood were rocky for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And then I sort of settled into uh, a rhythm of figuring out my life and getting my life back together from things that I had done to it. And I thought, and I was like, part of the, the path for me was um, Christianity. So I thought, I was supposed to be a pastor. Like I Hmm. went to seminary, um, didn't finish, uh, ended up dropping out, but uh, was totally like, I think I'm called to, you know, um, preach. And then, so I went to seminary first in 2010 and then I had just graduated college. So, and I was so burnt out and I was single mom. I was, I just gotten married, but I had been a single mom and throughout school and stuff. So Mm -hmm. I was like, maybe I just need a break. So then I went back in 2013 and I remember sitting in one of my classes and they were arguing about like whether you should play secular music in in the sanctuary and I was just like <laughs> I think I'd never want to have this conversation again like I think I'm done and so I and and there were some other things that there were I was at that point, not ready to deal with some of the trauma that I had experienced and that family members had experienced. Mm -hmm. Um, and one of the, um, assignments was to, was like a, it's called a genogram. And so, uh, you have to kind of go back and look deeply into your family history. And I just couldn't, I couldn't do that at that point in my life. Right. Um, and so for multiple, uh, factors. I was like, I think this is not my path anymore. And I, um, I dropped out like immediately. Like, I didn't even finish the semester. I was just like, Nope, I'm done. <laughs> this is not right. Yeah. And, um, and then got really depressed because I was like, I thought this was like, I thought this was like a call from God. Right. And now what am I supposed to do with my life? Uh, thinking deeply about that question. What am I supposed to do with my life? Mm -hmm. Okay, I know I want to speak. I know I want to like preach. 
Um, and I know I want to counsel people. I know I want to, you know, um, help people and talk about like real shit. I don't, can I, can, you can, can we come yeah, here? you're totally <laughs> fine. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah. And so that's ultimately why, how I got here. And then, um, I chose, I, so my path, I'm a master's in social work. So I'm a licensed master social worker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I chose that because it was versatile, um, because you can do like so many things with this, with a social work degree. And I had not been as smart with my original college degree. I got a degree in sociology, which you can't do anything with. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> um, and, um, so I was like, okay, well, this will give me some, like, I can do different things with it, even though I know ultimately I, I want to, I, I want to essentially, uh, preach and teach, um, and counsel. Like I want to be a pastor without like the religion. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and so that's, that's a very long winded answer, but that's kind of how I got here. No, that's great because it kind of leads up to, you know, your backstory is just as important, you know, to as far as how you got to where you are right now. And that's like essential and especially how you describe it. It totally makes sense that you still want to do that quote unquote preaching, but it doesn't have to look, you know, the traditional way of, you know, being religious or whatever that you can create it in your own way and do what you're still called to do. Yes. And I should say that like when I I know preaching can be like a loaded term, I really love the term good news. Like I think that humans are called to share good news with other humans. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that Christians have a very specific idea of, of what that means. But I, for me, it's like actual good news. So like the universe is conspiring for our benefit. <laughs> you right. know, like there are good things going on in the world and uh, we get to be a part of it. And, um, and I would, and I should say the other, so part of social work was like the social justice piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and which you don't necessarily get with a traditional masters of counseling uh, and that was really important to me. You can, I mean, in some ways you can do the same work. Like I, I work as a play therapist hmm. for kids, but you can be the same thing and do the same work I'm doing. Right. Um, so it just kind of depends on the path that makes sense for you. Right. So the preaching part of it, I'm just going to keep using that word because it's a good mm-hmm. word and um, it's one that people can relate to on many levels. But the preaching part is that how throwing light became to be, and how did how did you come up with that awesome name? <laughs> um, how did I come? Up? I wish I, you know, I was trying to think of like. I mean, I think essentially it was just like it says, like the opposite of throwing shade. Like yeah. I wanted to throw light. I wanted to um, share actual good news. Um, my first episode if you go like back is um i think it's called like prostitutes preachers and prophets or something like that but i talk about this whole idea of like wanting to preach Mm -hmm. and feeling like i'm called to do that and kind of not and what happens like if you listen 
if you listen to the episodes, like I'll, I'll, like I talk about, so I'm passionate about spirituality and passionate about mental health. Mm -hmm. And I think essentially, and I've become more vocal about mental health since I've become a therapist, right? Because I think before I didn't feel confident right. speaking about it with any kind of authority. Um, and so if you, but if like every so often I, I'll find I'll go off track, like I'll forget what I'm talking about. I'll just end up, I'll talk about things that are interesting me in that moment. But what happens is I always come back to like, oh wait, I want to preach. Like I want to shit, like I want to do sermons and sermons to me are like an art form. It's like mm. a, it's almost like a poem. That's awesome. No, throwing, when I saw throwing light and then I was like reading your description of your podcast and then opposite of throwing shade, I'm like, that is like genius. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. So let's talk about vulnerability. It seems like everybody's talking about it. It seems kind of trendy and, you know, almost ad nauseum to a Mm. point since, you know, Brene Brown had her TED Talk. I don't know. Was that like 10, 15 years ago? It seems like it was a while ago. Um, Yeah. So what is your take on that vulnerability trend, you know, that the train, the vulnerability train that everybody's kind of jumped on and, um, you know, do you find that you discuss it quite a bit in your therapy practice? Yeah. So I am a huge fan of Brene Brown. I think that she's so real and I appreciate, I appreciate that. Like when she speaks, like you just want to listen and she's hilarious. Like, I don't know if you watched her special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The courageous like, one. Just, yeah. Yeah. She's just so real and, and she's so different from me. Like, uh, I feel like, um, she like kind of came at vulnerability very, suspicious and and not wanting right not wanting it to be a thing I think that my vulnerability in large part probably stems from uh growing up privileged and naive Mm -hmm. and like and just just not knowing that I shouldn't tell the world (laughs) like my entire um uh, existence. Yeah. And so for me, becoming an adult was in large. Well, so there's a couple things. So when I was, you know, I have a past where I'm have struggled with various addictions. Mm-hmm. When I was in the midst of addictions, I was not honest with myself or the people in my life or, or strangely on the internet for sure that I was going through them because that that was dangerous. <laughs> like it was dangerous even to, to admit it to myself. Um, so vulnerability for me, the courage to be honest about where I was in that moment for the first time in a long time mm-hmm. uh, was a huge part of my healing. So and that was to for me that was that began in two thousand four two thousand five. What happened was, I think when I started sharing online, like when I realized, I think it was like in 2011, that I could like blog and mm-hmm. do something cool online um, and make make something, um, sharing my story uh, was just came naturally to me. My trouble was that 
I shared too much. I'm like, uh, yeah. I'm an overshare. <laughs> right. Um, and so what happens when you um, overshare is that you can like verbally vomit on other people. <laughs> right. And, and <laughs> it, it's like, tra- it's traumatic to them. Like they don't, they don't, they're not ready. Right. Um, and when I realized I was doing that, I had a lot of shame. Like I was really super embarrassed <laughs> um, and I'm really hard on myself. So I think that was part of it. But I just like I didn't want to cause anyone harm. I was just trying to share my story and mm-hmm. I pulled back for like, like I, I think in like 2012, 13, I was like, oh, wait, I shouldn't be sharing anything. Um, yeah, you go from one extreme to the other, like the pendulum swings totally. I totally understand yes. that. Yeah. And so it's just been the last few years. Like I love being in my 30s because I feel like I can be a human much, much easier than when I was in my 20s. Right. Or like, like I, I just I feel like yeah. I think a lot of people um, can relate to that. Yeah. So I feel like it's just been the last couple of years. Where I'm like, OK, this is OK to share. This is not this is for me this I'm still going through so I'm not going to share that right now and what's interesting now is like as a therapist I feel really strange sharing certain things yeah um and I have a public presence I'm obsessed with TikTok at the moment Mm -hmm. um and and so I share and then I'm like what if my client because I don't obviously don't talk I don't so when I'm being therapist I don't share any anything yeah. about myself like um we talk about disclosure in school like it, it you only should do it if it benefits your client and it rarely does exactly <laughs> so, I'm not I'm, that's not uh, uh beneficial to them so I'm not going to share anything and I don't talk about any of my social media or you know anything but there's always that concern in the back of my mind like if I were to achieve a degree of fame are my client's going to find me and, and how is that going to impact them or me or um, my job? Right. And I don't have the answer to that right now. I just, I feel compelled to share honestly with boundaries. That's kind of like where I'm at right now. Yeah. And that makes total sense. And it's hard, I'm sure, to be, have your own private life and do what you're passionate about and not think about your job. Because it's, it's huge if someone, like if a client came upon your podcast and I think it would change your relationship with them. Yes. Um, I mean, I think thankfully because I work with so mostly kids, it's, I think it would be unusual. Um, that's true for them. to come. What I worry about is them coming across my TikToks Uh, (laughs) or my Instagram. Right. Um, but I also feel like I'm human and I feel compelled to do this work. Mm -hmm. And so, I'm, I guess that's where I've landed is like I'm doing it and then and then I hope that it works out <laughs> for the benefit, for the highest good of all people. Yeah. So what does it mean to co-create with the universe? You kind of mentioned that um, in the beginning as far as the universe is kind of conspiring to do nothing yeah. but good things for everybody. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that it can sound really cliche. It can sound really like trite. At the end of the day, I don't know exactly what it means, except that I do believe that we are active participants in our reality. 
Um, that's what I believe. I mean, I know that that's not everybody believes that. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it's an empowering thought. And it, it's the idea that like, if I, if there's something in my life that I don't like, I can change it. Mm-hmm. And I have, and, I, and I've like seen it work. But I also believe like, just aside from like the, the, it can become really fluffy and cheap. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think that the idea that the universe is conspiring in our, for our benefit is also the idea that we as humans are evolving and I believe that the divinity like it is is in each one of us and kind of all around like I believe like we're all we are one yes you know mm-hmm. uh, there's no and, separation yeah and there's no separation but we all feel very separated right so it, mm-hmm. we we are under this illusion that we're all our own um thing and that's why it's all like breaking down because in large part we have um I don't know how to say it but I feel like we're just like we're we're in it for ourselves and we're trying to benefit ourselves yeah when we think about whatever I do to you I'm ultimately doing to myself Mm -hmm. if we if we're one if that's true I get tongue-tied when I talk about this stuff because I think it's so it's so like close to my heart (laughs) and I don't want to say it wrong right um So I apologize, but like, yeah, I just feel like the horrible things in the world, we can actually play a part in healing. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think the universe conspiring in our favor and that we're co-creating with the universe. Um, I mean, originally it was very much like, I think a Christian paradigm for me, it was like the rest I called, um, I had heard this term, the restoration of Shalom, um, and Shalom as in like Eden. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was fascinated by the idea of, like, we get to play a part in, like, bringing heaven to earth. And essentially, that's still how I view it. I just view some of those terms as, I guess, in a different light than I did back mm-hmm. then, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So I listened to your podcast about um, your sobriety. Uh-huh. Can we talk about that for a second? Sure. Are you comfortable? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I follow you on Instagram, which is how we, how I kind came to know you, and you had posted something like how many days that you were sober. So how many days mm-hmm. has it been? I don't know the exact. So I just because I wasn't keeping track, I just happened to look look it up that day, mm-hmm. and it was five hundred and fifty five. So it's more than that now. Yeah. Um. And I was like, that's so cool. So it's probably like five hundred and seventy or something like that. Yeah. Because it wasn't. Super long ago when I posted that. I dabble in numerology, so I was, like, mm-hmm. really interested in, like, the 555 yes. uh, aspect. Yeah. But yeah. So I was very I, – I like that podcast because I've recently become sober myself, and it's been since oh, September 3rd. Thank you. So – and and the story that you told as to what kind of was the catalyst for that was something that I could totally relate to unfortunately Mm. and Mm -hmm. you know when you and for me it was drinking is more I realized has become a crutch for me and it kind of turned into like a social thing because people at work are like really stressed out and let's go to you know it's always like let's go out for a drink after work you know 
that kind of thing. And it was like once in a while, yeah. and then it turns into two days, and then it turns into three days. And I'm a lightweight. I only drink beer. So I'm like one or two beers, and I'm done. So then it became like three and four. So I just wanted to thank you for having the courage to share that story and to have the willpower and courage to go, you know, be sober and continue doing Mm -hmm. it for so long Mm because you're definitely my inspiration. And Mm -hmm. um, I I appreciate you you sharing that because it seemed like it was a real hard thing to do. Yeah, I well, you know, the first time like I like I said, I struggled with addictions back in the day. And when I quit all of that, like I didn't I didn't have anything to lose. Like I like I didn't care um that I was starting from ground zero because like I was like below zero <laughs> like right. previously, right? Um but I think with this recent thing, I mean it I, so I've been it's April it was April 2018. Mm-hmm. So I was in grad school. I was getting ready to finish my first year of grad school. Um, and, and I was like, I didn't want to admit I had a problem. Like Mm -hmm. I wanted it to like, I was like, I'm, I'm grown. Like I, and I, but the thing is I had been questioning whether this was a problem since at least 2013. So Mm -hmm. it's like, and, and for me, I think it wasn't like, and I don't know if it was a bigger problem I think it was a bigger problem than I wanted to admit that it was. Um, for me, in my head, it was like, I just have a glass of wine or two every night, mm-hmm. you know? But every night, and then if I didn't have a glass of wine, I was like, I didn't know what to do with myself. Right. And I hated that. I grew up in Charlotte, in, in part in Charlotte, and North Carolina. And my husband and I went back to visit. He doesn't drink. He never uh, has liked the taste of alcohol, mm-hmm. which I've always found fascinating. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> um, I don't remember what happened, but I ended up, um, essentially we had gone out and then he had gone back to the hotel and I was like driving back. Oh, I had gone to the th- thrift store and, and he didn't want to go. And then after I was like, I don't have any alcohol. So I drove like, 20 or 30 minutes out of my way just to get a bottle of wine to mm. like to have a glass of wine at the, at the hotel and I I remember thinking like this seems weird <laughs> you know like <laughs> why can't I just go you know the right. night um but I but you know you justify it you're like well I'm on vacation like right. um you know I I deserve it whatever yeah I couldn't imagine I think the thing that helped that kept me from stopping for so long was like, I couldn't imagine going without it. Like I was like, I forever, like I was like, that sucks. Like that seems like, right. That sucks. (laughs) My sobriety story was essentially like, I got so drunk that, um, I don't remember making the decisions I made Mm -hmm. and it put me in a really dangerous situation um, where I could have, I could have been killed. I could have been raped. Like, I, like, thankfully I wasn't. Right. And the next day I was just like play, like going over these events in my head, like, like realizing what, um, what all had transpired when it was supposed to be just a fun night. Mm-hmm. And for me, the pain of that outweighed like the, 
the pain of like not wanting to drink or, or not knowing how I was going to not drink mm-hmm. for the rest of my life. I was like, I am never doing this again. I'm right. never putting myself in this situation. And, and I don't know what I have to do to like, I, you know, when you make a decision like that, then you're just like, I'll figure it out. I'll figure out the resources that I need to right. like, um, to, to do it. And this naked mind was a huge, a huge resource for me. Um, I don't know if I, am pretty sure I mentioned that in the, uh, podcast, but mm-hmm. yeah, like, uh, her book and her podcast, um, just the way that she looked at it as, you know, it's an alcohol is an addictive substance. I can't speak. And so of course you, you drink it and, and you progressively get more right. attached to it. Like that's the nature of the beast. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it's not that we're broken, that we have like, um, an al- like an addiction gene. Um, and maybe, maybe there is some substance to that. Um, but it's also that we're playing with fire in, in a, in a sense, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, it was like learning other tools on how to yeah. deal with the stress or the loneliness or the, you know whatever. And, you know, I saved a lot of money because I wasn't going out, first of all, and I wasn't (laughs) drinking. But at the same Mm -hmm. time, I have other creative projects and just the clarity and the focus and just the creativity has gotten so much better. So I think being able to see the rewards of not Mm -hmm. drinking Mm -hmm. definitely helps me continue on that track. So I definitely have had some temptations but I, yeah. I take a minute and I think about it and it's like okay do you really want to do this and do you really mm-hmm. want to face the consequences of this and and then it takes two seconds to make a decision and I don't so um, yeah it's it's quite a journey I definitely again appreciate you talking about that um, because it definitely is an inspiring story for me and you know and when I have those moments of you know doubt that Mm. I think about you know your journey and not you know and look how far you've come so thank you for that well that's amazing I'm grateful I can genuinely say I don't like I mean I have had temptation I'm not going to say I haven't but I think the what I loved about have you read the this make it not mine book what is it called it's called this naked mind no so um, she has a podcast, and uh, it's her name is Annie Grace, mm-hmm. um, and she wrote a book called This Naked Mind, and she talks about her experience, and then um, essentially when she decided to quit drinking, she knew that um, she wanted, she just started researching, and so the whole book is like busting myths, like alcohol, uh, tastes good. Um, uh, it's, (laughs) it makes you funnier. Um, it makes you, uh, you know, it, it makes you more relaxed. Um, Mm -hmm. supposed to help you sleep, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, it gives you courage. Like it, she just goes through and one by one, like busts all of those myths. Hmm. Um, and I think that was like, uh, revolutionary to me because I was using it uh, to to numb, 
Like, yes. And it, it numbs stress, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, my life wasn't horrible, but um, like, like just when stressors would pop up, I'd be like, I need a drink. Um, it's like that knee-jerk reaction thing. Yeah, and yeah. I was using it to celebrate. Um, and and what I realized is I was just like a it was a numbing agent, mm-hmm. and it doesn't taste good. It's like ethanol. <laughs> like it's, right. it's not, you know, by itself. Like that's why we acquire a taste. So that's why, you know, in in as a teenager, you didn't immediately or a kid, whatever. Whenever you started, you didn't immediately like the taste. Mm-hmm. You had to like. Build Get yourself up. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> build, a, build a tolerance. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, a huge thing was like uh, bubbly water. Uh, so like soda water, mocktails. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like the fancy drinks still. Like I like them by themselves. And right. I like the fact that I was 100% in my right mind <laughs> when I finished the drink. <laughs> right. And I don't, yeah, I, I don't have a desire to like numb anymore yeah. so so that feels good yeah i'm right there with you it, it does mm-hmm. feel good so what are some uh common old paradigms that people get stuck on and do you have any do you have a toolkit or some kind of instruction <laughs> booklet manual for people to get unstuck i wish i did um i i saw this question and i was like that's such a good question one of the paradigms that i so i can't speak to like anyone else really but one of the things that i find myself is like when i'm struggling whether it's financial or in a relationship or whatever the way that i find myself talking about it is often not the way that i actually want to think about it so i you know i believe in like co-creating and like manifesting and all of that Mm -hmm. like weird stuff so if i'm struggling financially then i'll be like okay like i trust the universe like i'm gonna do the work i need to do uh and i'm gonna you know meditate and i'm gonna imagine you know that we are fully supported and that it's gonna be 100 percent okay um and then when i'm talking to like my my best friends or my family i'll find myself saying like we don't have X, Y, and Z to pay X, Y, and Z. And I'm stressed out. And, you know, um, and it's like, oh, actually, I don't want to paint that picture. In some sense, like the, that truth is rel- relative. Um, and if I look at it a different way, like how, how can I afford this? Like how can I make it happen? Mm-hmm. Um, it changes the paradigm. So I think the way that I'm shifting my actual speech to mirror the way I want to think about right. the problems I'm having. That's actually harder than we think because 95% of our lives are lived from the subconscious, like they're programs that we're running. Mm-hmm. And so to change them, we have to be really intentional. Really love um, EFT, mm-hmm. um, like tapping. Have you ever heard of that? I have, yes. I was a massage therapist back in the day, so I'm definitely familiar oh, okay. with all the healing arts. And I'm totally, we're stu- we're so on the same wavelength as far as metaphysically. And Right on, so, right on. Yeah. Okay. Like making it a habit. That's how we learn to drive. That's how we learn to do anything that we learn to do, like, as an adult Mm -hmm. and then mindfulness like being present um and kind of waking up and saying like oh i actually don't want to think that (laughs) or i don't want to say that yeah um being mindful of the words that we say amanda flaker says words are wands Hmm. and i think that's like really powerful 
And the universe um, says yes to everything. Yeah. So what you put out yeah. there definitely has to be right. specific and, you yes. know, exactly what you want. And I remember, uh, I don't know if you remember Shakti Gwan. She does the creative visualization. I love that book. She, yes. Yeah, she's amazing. And then I'm just recently started reading NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. I have a book on that. I haven't finished it, but it's it's fascinating to me. Yeah. yeah. So there's definitely different methods and tools that that can be used to change our belief system yeah. and Yeah, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. I think we don't realize it. We just kind of beat ourselves up for right. Thinking whatever we're, we don't want to think. Yeah. Um, well, that's easier to but do. There is, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah, but yeah, there's, there are lots of tools, I think. Um, yeah. It Energy, they kind of fall under the umbrella of what I've heard called energy psychology. Hmm. I don't know if it, NLP would be considered that, but it's like along the same lines where you're changing the way that you're thinking like somewhat rapidly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. So here's the $64,000 question. Okay. <laughs> How did your Marie Condoing reorg go in your house? Because I listened oh. to that podcast <laughs> about you uh, apologizing for, um, oh, you yeah. Know, giving, um, throwing shade to, you know, Marie Kondo. Yes. Yes. Um, that's so funny. So <laughs> I. I mean, there's a lot of baggage with me and like mess because the the message I got as a kid was like like if you're not if if you're if you're if it's not clean or if not, if it's messy it's bad or wrong or mm-hmm. you know if I was if my house was messy then I was a mess so I've spent a lot of time like working through those like tapes right. <laughs> <laughs> and so my initial reaction to Marie Kondo was like. Ah, you know like it was triggering right because right, it was sure. like I can be a, I can be okay as a person and still have a messy house and that's something that I've had to like remind myself over and over again so I ended up getting most everything decluttered before we moved and then when I got here I still had like sentimental items I had my office and like a hand like one or two other things and I've since done most of it I now my whole my whole home, amazingly, is pretty, like, it's not always, like, tidy, mm-hmm. but it's pretty, like, like decluttered, except right. for this one ginormous pile that's in the hall out here, <laughs> Right. <laughs> because I just haven't had time, and a lot of it is, like, I just had a baby, and... Yeah. Um, so I have to be kind to myself, and I'll, and I'll get there eventually. Right. But, uh, yeah... So, but I think there is a sense of, like, I know there's some of it's resistance. Like some of it's like, I don't, I don't know what it is exactly. I don't know why I don't want to let go of, cause I have things that I'm going to sell mm-hmm. and, you know, like, um, they're still, you know, in places where I could have sold them already. There's always time, right? but we choose to prioritize different things. Exactly. Um, and I've chosen to prioritize different things and some of them were, were good things and when I'm ready I will I will finish the last bit right. in the hallway and um <laughs> well I thought it was fine. yeah I thought it was pretty cute your podcast about that <laughs> and it was specific to that so 
Um, it was probably the shortest podcast in history, but you know, you, uh, <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to, you know, get an update on how it went for you. Right. So. Very important. Yeah. <laughs> well, Brandy, I want to thank you so much for being on Women Who Sarcast. It's been definitely an honor and I'm hoping we can collaborate more in the future. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. And you can find Brandy on Instagram at Brandy Glows and you can find Throwing Light on Apple Podcasts. And they can find all that information on your Instagram, right? Yes. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Show music provided by Mike Imbasciani. You can find him at mikeimbasciani.com. 